This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin, Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022. Today is March the 18th of 2022. There were a lot of drunken people outside yesterday. What was that about? It was Purim. It was St. Patrick. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. One day closer to an all-time high. We always return to an all-time high. Buy and hold, guys. Golden age of the 2020s. We are living it. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. I'm in motion. All these guys are in motion. They're going to talk about, they're the big boys. This is where the big boys play. I'm offended by selling. And yeah, Bitcoin, single issue voters. We'll talk about Elizabeth Warren and all that political nonsense too. Hello, my elite friends. Pound that like button. Spread it on Twitter. Do a chat, super chat, ask questions. We just need 34 more bucks to have a new one Bitcoin show next week. I'm I'm really excited for this one. Uh, we we got Greg Foss in the freaking house. I met him in Las Vegas and immediately I was like, this guy's got to be on my freaking show. S2 is in the freaking house. Mike and S2, yo, he is the one of the uh, co-founders of Ronin Dojo. He's going to talk about the, the controversy. Uh, we're going to talk about the controversy today, people. You guys want this wasabi thing explained to you? He, he's going to ex- explain it. Uh, Michael Atwood is in the house. You you know about the Lightning Network, and you're at Oshi, and, and you're going to talk about that a little bit. But all right, dudes, um, and I want to remind everyone, and also another reason that Michael Atwood is on the show is I'm going to meet him next weekend in Oklahoma City. Right, dude? You're going to be That's in Oklahoma it. City. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I'm looking forward okay, to we're it. Speak, uh, we're at Oklahoma City event. That link is below. Adam10, use that discount code. And we're going to talk with all in Miami on March 6th to 9th. I will obviously be in Miami. I'm all, I'm driving there slowly. I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana this week. So I'm on my freaking way to Miami, dudes. It's going to be 30,000 people going wild. If you think this thing is passionate, it the passion is going to be there. We're going to be super spreading Bitcoin. We're going to talk about it at the end of the show. I got to read off the official Bitcoin Magazine promo later on, but use the Adam10 discount code for that too if you want 10% off. So let's let's get into something that I think shocked a lot of people this morning. Um, I don't know if everybody noticed it or not. Uh, I noticed that uh, Vitalik Buterin <laughs> is on the cover of Time magazine. Um, and you might not like him. You might not like Ethereum. But this is amazing if you just go back to 2013, where the hole that Bitcoin was in. Uh, you go back to 2016, even 2017. Uh, that th- this this is possible today, that it's so mainstream. And the article itself, <laughs> I mean, it, it was predictable that uh, an article, a mainstream media article about Vitalik that would be this large would be uh, an ESG proof, proof of stake woke dream come true, okay? It is a propaganda piece for the woke. It is this guilty billionaire feeling bad about the greatness he has brought to the world and the pollution that he's brought to the world or whatever, either the, all, all the lies about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that, that you get out there, why we, we need to clean it up and go ESG and proof of proof, proof of stake. I mean, it's, it's, it's craziness. Did I say proof of work before I meant the, the, the Ethereum people, you know, proof of work, guilt, proof of stake, love that that's what, what this is about. But anyway, um, yeah, they call him the Prince of Crypto has concerns. 
<laughs> so this is going to be a useful tool for the Bitcoin haters, uh, which is which is unfortunate. But the, it, it is positive. I do. It's positive that he's on the cover. But I want to get into the article real quick. Something that's going to burn a lot of people up. Uh, but even as crypto has soared in value and volume, Buterin has watched the world he created evolve with a mixture of pride and dread. Ethereum has made a handful of white men unfathomably rich. This, this is what it says in Time Magazine. Uh, unfathomably rich, pump pollutants into the air, and emerge as a vehicle for tax evasion. That sounds like, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren. We'll talk about her soon. Money laundering. That's from her playbook also. And mind-boggling scams. That's also from her playbook. Crypto, he says, crypto itself has a lot of dystopian potential if implemented wrong. Okay. The Russian-born Canadian explains the morning after the party in the 80-minute interview in his hotel room. Okay. And th this is in conjunction with Time releases its first ever full magazine issue as an NFT on the blockchain, featuring a cover story on Ethereum co-founder co Vitalik uh, Buterin. Uh, I put a lot out there. Greg Foss, what do you think about this? Well, you know, this is where a 58-year-old guy like myself uh, returns right back to first principles in terms of uh, uh, security of the network, security of the platform versus, um, uh, and, and most importantly, centralization versus decentralization. Uh, I am not an expert in the other altcoins. I focus on Bitcoin. For the reasons that I've told Adam uh, at the Las Vegas conference as well, look, I'm so concerned with the fiat Ponzi. I don't need to worry about Ethereum Ponzi's and all the other Ponzi's that are uh, that are set up. Okay, uh, proof of work exists for security of the network. If you want to see some attack vectors on proof of stake, there was a very good article that was put to put out today by a young man named Joshua Guest who does not have a huge following on Twitter. But uh, email, uh, I'm on his email list. It was a very good article about the, the dangers of proof of stake and why proof of work uh, lives as the only solution for true decentralization and the solution to the fiat Ponzi in my mind. So I'm not, a, you know, I, I my expertise is in the financial world. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And I don't know all the altcoins. I don't know the uh, the proof of stake attack vectors that are out there, but there are people that do. So I'll just, I'll leave it at the, the fact that I'm a Bitcoin focused uh, financial, uh, call me a financial experienced risk trader and Bitcoin solves the one problem that most concerns me. I'll tell you, if we don't solve the fiat Ponzi, we are in a world of hurt, regardless of altcoins and proof of stake versus proof of work. OK, we need to solve the fiat Ponzi. And if you want to talk about energy being wasted on the fiat Ponzi, how much does it take for the U.S. military to run their machine? It's approximately a million barrels of oil a day to defend the fiat Ponzi and the fiat uh, us dollar is global reserve currency so you always got to compare apples and apples um my belief is that the proof of work and the amount of energy spent on the bitcoin ecosystem is well well worth the 
benefits that it provides to society. Uh, what do you think about uh, this guy being on the cover of Time Magazine with the, calling him the Prince of Crypto? I mean, that's uh, isn't there, uh, you know, there's the world is full of it. the economist famously said when oil was at uh, something like $8 a barrel, the death of oil. Uh, being on, a, on the cover of a magazine, there's the Sports Illustrated curse. There's the the Economist curse. I'm sure there's a Time Magazine curse. Um, I wouldn't want to be on the front cover of Time Magazine, and I'm not sure Vitalik uh, is all that happy either. But you know, it's uh, in the world of mainstream uh, hysteria, mainstream media hysteria. It's about it's appropriate, isn't it, that you get him on the on the cover? Well, that's that it shows the big difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. They have a centralized leader. Like a lot of pressure can be put Correct. on this man. A lot he, he can he can define the direction it goes on. It's 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 it, for smart people. It, it's it's it shows once again the weakness uh, of having a, 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 a centralized leader like that. I agree. Uh, but I think a lot of I don't know. I it. You say you're there to to, to show the world uh, that the, uh, inform everybody about the fiat Ponzi scheme. Most normies uh, take the government's word and uh, don't believe in that. Um, they will continue to worship the dollar. And thus, th an article like this that has ESG guilt uh, intertwined throughout all of it, um, it, it it fits into the, the fiat narrative. And I think um, for me, this article, this major breakthrough to the mainstream is a, I guess my question to everyone is, is it a threat to Bitcoin that it is clear that the normies are very willing to accept guilt and shame uh, around cryptocurrency and that this is an attack vector, uh, a social attack vector to Bitcoin and that Ethereum, love it or hate it, uh, some people might be able to leverage its uh, friendliness toward ESG, toward the environment uh, to attack Bitcoin. Go ahead, Michael. Well, so in a world where the fiat system, you know, hopes that we never run the numbers and we never do our research, it's pretty telling that the mainstream media narrative wants to tell us all about Ethereum and, uh, you know, how Vitalik is going to save us all whenever they can't run the numbers. So, you know, proof of work is is really important. And I don't have to go into all the, the, the narratives around that. But, yeah, I mean... It's 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 not a good thing for me. I mean, it's cool that people are going to be like getting more exposed to Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies. But unfortunately, it's through the lens of Ethereum. And I know myself like in 2017, like I got started through that lens and uh, I got wrecked. But over time, you know, I learned uh, what the value of Bitcoin really is and how important it really is and what it means to be distributed and decentralized. And, you know. If all these people are getting involved in, in Ethereum like this first, instead of understanding Bitcoin, it will, you know, Bitcoin's going to win regardless, in my opinion, but it's going to delay the, that inevitable winning. Um, it's going to it's going to delay, you know, fixing the fiat Ponzi. And, um, you know, that's really the thing for me that's most that's most important and most dis, most disheartening. Um, people are attracted to everything that Ethereum is. It's really exciting, you know, the DeFi and all the other buzzwords. Um, and over time, people will come to understand just how impactful and important Bitcoin is. But, you know, that's why, in my opinion, um, you know, it's, it's up to the Bitcoin community. And there's so many amazing products like being built on Bitcoin and Lightning, where it's like we're going to be able to provide a better experience 
where people aren't going to be thinking about, oh, I'm spending Bitcoin. They're just going to be like, I'm, I'm earning rewards or, or I'm able to participate in different things in ways that I haven't participated in before. Like that, That's what I'm really excited about. And I think that will inevitably trump these narratives kind of trying to get us to go towards this centralized, you know, very limited, distributed, you know, it's on what Infura and Alchemy and, and maybe more towards the more distributed and decentralized version of you know, the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. I got, I got to say guilt is a powerful uh, tool, powerful emotion, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. And the, the, the guilt narrative is what's going to come out of uh, when Ethereum switches to proof of stake. It, it It's, they're going to be all sorts of people. This is just a preview. I, I keep harping on this because I want people to be ready. I want people to be ready for Bitcoin is killing the environment. This is, this one isn't. This is the direction we should go. This is the man we should listen to type of thing. It, it is not going away. And uh, here, even within the cryptocurrency community, again, time is outside of the crypto. That's mainstream. It, we, on, on Decrypt, the, the uh, uh, headline was Ethereum 2.0 is coming in, in, in the second quarter, will lay to rest energy concerns, Joe, Joe Lubin says. So, I mean, be, be very ready. I, I want to remind everyone who's watching this, all three of these dudes are linked to below. Greg mentioned someone that he, he reads. Uh, maybe you retweeted that dude before. I mean, I, I, I love that you mentioned people that I haven't heard of that uh, uh, that, that more people should, should read about. All right, S two. What, what's your take on uh, uh, on uh, the uh, Vitalik cover story and Ethereum two point? I mean, what role does it play in, in Bitcoin, if any? Um, really, I like to keep the two separate, like y'all have been talking about. Um, but, you know, a lot of things that they're trying to do with Ethereum, we don't even care about. Um, so, sure, they have little use cases here and there that they want to play with, like NFTs and DeFi and stuff. Um, but it's just largely uninteresting to me. Uh, I'm mainly interested in, you know, sound money, hard money. Um, I understand Ethereum, you know, they're trying to do different things and tackle different problems. But I'm just largely uninterested in it. And then, of course, in the Ethereum crowd in general, you have a lot of people who are, uh, I guess you'd say, a little more left politically. And they, you know, they're worried about the environment. They're worried about how much CO2 we're putting out. And, of course, it's a great way to uh, bring steam to Ethereum to say, you know, if we go proof of stake, it's better for the environment. Um, it's a great way to pump your bags, right? Everybody wants their number to go up, right? Um, but, you know, I don't. Like uh, y'all were talking about earlier, the curse of being on the cover of magazines and things like that. Um, Vitalik is a very central player in Ethereum, and he has a lot of power and a lot of influence. And that doesn't exist in Bitcoin. You know, no one knows who Satoshi is, and he's not here today to uh, have some kind of large influence on Bitcoin as a whole. So as Vitalik, you know, grows in his fame and his influence, also the pressure on him will grow. And that's a bit of a concern. Um, but once again, I'm largely uninterested in Ethereum. Um, I, I can see why people use it to gamble and make money and that kind of stuff. Uh, but most of the use cases are just uninteresting to me. Okay. Well, we, we, we've gotten the, uh, the take there. I, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate, be careful of the guilt narrative, everybody. It's, it's not going away. Elizabeth Warren is going to be talking about it. 
everyone will be uh, talking about it. And indeed, I uh, uh, Ethereum doing whatever it wants to do that that's its business. I have no problem. Um, I just I'm just warning because there is you know there's social media narratives out there and people get frustrated and people might really get frustrated when Ethereum successfully uh, goes to Ethereum 2.0 and it, it and the price pumps. I think I think the Bitcoin price will actually go up when Ethereum goes up too. But that, that's that's another story. Yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about that another time. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on to you know talking about centralization and uh, well, let's talk about this uh, Wasabi Wallet uh, controversy S two that that got in yeah. got into the news. And I, I'm going to start. Here's a quote. However, zk Snacks co-founder and CEO Valent. Harmit told Bitcoin Magazine that the decision to prevent some users from leveraging Wasabi for their privacy needs was proactive, was a proactive one, as there is no current legislation obliging them to do so. All right. So what the heck happened? Why is there's a blacklist all of a sudden uh, at at Wasabi Wallet, which is supposed to be about uh, uh, privacy? Tell us what's going on here. What happened is they got spooked, basically. Um, so I sent you some links in Twitter private chat, Adam. I don't know if you have a chat to post them to or what, um, but these are good sources. Essentially, um, the Financial Times uh, contacted um, Samurai Wallet, Wasabi Wallet, um, probably anyone involved in mixing, and uh, reached out to them for information um, because they knew that uh, the UK national crime agency was beginning to look into uh, coin mixing, coin join kind of things. And really they just jumped the gun. Um, They had no good reason, no legislation to introduce a blacklist. And it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, we were all very confused and we were wondering, uh, what was it that who what kind of like did they get contacted by law enforcement or regulators putting pressure on them and then like you just said it came out that they admitted that they there is no pending legislation and they're not under any threat and it was very misleading too because uh in their telegram chat room whenever we went in there and people were asking questions they were saying that um let me, let me get the exact quotes from the Telegram room because I don't want to mess this up. Uh, people were saying, can you shut it down and offer an alternative coordinator? And their response to that was, how can we legally do that? Um, they said, we can't legally link to coordinators that circumvent our tool. Um, they also said uh, they're looking for protection from the state and against regulators or the law. Um and over and over again, they were talking about how they cannot allow anyone to circumvent their coordinator uh, as if some kind of pending regulation was preventing them from doing that. And that all turned out to be completely false. Um, I don't understand why they lied to their users like that, or, or maybe they truly didn't understand the situation. But really, all that happened is they got contacted by Financial Times for basically a response to the NCA looking into them. And then because of that, that was enough pressure for them to jump the gun and put in some kind of uh, chain analysis based UTXO blacklisting 
um, which we all know is going to be a disaster. You can't introduce censorship into Bitcoin. It, it truly is the antithesis of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. So what you, you've been tweeting about this a lot. What's it mean for your company? What's your company do? Yeah. So I work with uh, Ronin Dojo. Um, we are separate from Samurai Wallet, like a separate company. Um, you could kind of think of us as uh, like the Bitcoin full node company for Samurai Wallet. Um, there's, you know, multiple companies that make what's called a dojo uh, or they have like the dojo software. There's other nodes that have it, but we have a hundred percent focus on Samurai Wallet and dojo and basically uh, being able to easily set up a Bitcoin full node and connect your wallet to it. Essentially behind every single Bitcoin wallet, there is a Bitcoin full node and you need to be running that node or be able to trust who's running that node uh, to enable your privacy and for you to spend Bitcoin like it's electronic cash, like Satoshi intended. And we want to make that easier by selling hardware and software so you can kind of just plug in your own Bitcoin full node, scan a QR code to connect your wallet to it and start transacting and living freely. All right. Now, you're, I linked to it below, your company uh, on Twitter and everything, so everybody can check it out. I mean, people are familiar with it, obviously. Uh, so the, the, the Wasabi feedback on Twitter has been brutal. I mean, a lot of people uh, not using it anymore. How do you see this thing progressing? And uh, how do you see other people taking uh, advantage of it, uh, becoming more private or, or getting rid of censorship? Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing huge pushback, like you said, and people will just stop using their product altogether and move over to Samurai Wallet. It, you can already see that on the chain. Lots and lots of Bitcoin is pouring in to the Whirlpool. I think there's over 4,500 Bitcoin in the Whirlpool right now. Um, so obviously, a lot of people will just stop using the service altogether. I'm sure they're getting pressure from all sides to turn back and don't do it. And, you know, there's no good reason. Um, obviously, someone else said they're going to run their own Wasabi coordinator. Um, but that could be a disaster because you need a very big community and a lot of liquidity to run a mixer. So, you know, doing some small community coordinator, uh, that's it's not going to go well. Um, so really, I think a lot of people will just move away from the service if they are trying to blacklist like that. And even if say they are blacklisting criminals or truly bad people, that's less than 0.1% of Bitcoin users. And then you're gonna have false positives. There'll be people who are getting blacklisted for no reason, um, targeted for no reason. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, I would just move away from Wasabi to better coin join solution. All right, Atwood's got an opinion here. Take it away, pound that like button people. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if, if someone were to start up their own like Wasabi coordinator, couldn't that even increase the chances of a Sybil attack due to like the lesser liquidity and so on? I mean, I know like Samurai Absolutely. Wasabi, yeah, I've been like kind of going at it for, for a while. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I prefer uh, Samurai. But basically the, the things that I've seen over the years, I'm not like highly technical. I, I can't get in under the hood on, on a lot of this stuff. But just from a high level, I mean. You guys have kind of been screaming, shouting from the rooftops about this for a while. And, uh, you know, kind of the, the like no para. Again, I have nothing 
you know, against the guy, but I just felt like he was feigning ignorance on some of these things. And then as these things come to light now, um, and, and even Wasabi 2.0, in my understanding, has actually kind of implemented some of the things that the samurai guys have been talking about, like the problems with, with, with samurai for a while. So it gets, gets very interesting. And then, of course, you see this article and how they've handled this situation. And it really raises a lot of eyebrows if, if they weren't already, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it turned out into like a flame war after a certain period of time between Samurai and Wasabi for good reason. Because when you see someone spouting misinformation and when we see cases of Wasabi getting broken and people getting thrown in jail, that's serious real world implications. Um, you cannot go around telling people that something's 100% private and using terms like that and getting your users to trust you like that and then turning around and getting people jailed and in trouble. Um, it doesn't matter if it was a criminal or not. Uh, what if that was someone in Venezuela or Iran or a place that needed protection from being a dissident or they have an oppressive government or... Um, you know, evil tax collectors who want to take too much of your money, you know, you should be able to opt out and escape from these things and effectively evade. And to, to be disingenuous like that so blatantly and know, you know, no par and knew about these issues. He's known about the address reuse for a long time and has been asked to fix it for a long time. And after a certain point, you know, it gets to a boiling point and people get very upset. Um, so, you know, obviously if you haven't tuned in to this kind of thing and it's very nuanced and it's, it's been a long time, it's been a long fight between Samurai and Wasabi, then it's just going to look like, you know, your average internet flame war where people are calling each other names. But if you've been paying attention to it for a while, uh, Samurai got fed up a long time ago and they've been trying to set the record straight and, Finally, you know, thanks to so much pressure from the media and like Laura Shin put out that article about Wasabi getting demixed. Finally, the magnifying glass is going on them. And uh, just like it has been for Samurai, right? People have put pressure on Samurai. Samurai has been called spooks and people have said Samurai devs are from the CIA. And a lot of accusations going back and forth from just heated people on the Internet. But really, the, the samurai devs did have it right, and they were just very passionate about getting this point across. All right. I, I want to go to Greg Foss and get your traditional finance take on all these privacy matters. Uh, does this scare uh, people away from Bitcoin? I mean, there are going to be some people that like that love this. It's, it's proactive. Before Elizabeth Warren can regulate them, they're regulating themselves uh, type of thing. So there's, there's good, some people like this type of stuff, uh, giving into the government. I mean, people come to Bitcoin for a lot of different reasons. So I want I want to hear your take on it. Greg. Sure. So, guys, that's really interesting. Um, I'm I, I need to take it up a level because I I'm not technically inclined. Uh, I say to people that I uh, graduated from university and undergrad without ever having used a personal computer, and it wasn't because I didn't want to. It's just because they didn't exist. Okay. So I'm from a diff different era. Uh, here's what I know. I live in Canada. Um, I was you may be aware or not. I was involved in. Uh, 
the trucker convoy controversy, let's just say. Um, I lent my name along with my good friend Jeff Booth to vouch for the um, uh, validity of the address to raise Bitcoin for the uh, truckers. And then all of a sudden addresses get frozen, bank accounts get frozen. This is, uh, you know, Canada home, uh, uh, you know, home of the free uh, your northern your northern neighbor uh, collapsed in a, a short period of time. And so this is very dangerous, uh, whether it's freezing bank accounts, whether it's freezing individual private wallets or private addresses from a big picture finance. Your question was, is this good for Bitcoin? And my answer is absolutely 100 percent. It is good for Bitcoin because people from all walks of life now realize that decentralized bank accounts that they have come to trust and put their money from their piggy bank into the commercial bank is no longer your money if they can freeze your address. And the interesting thing is in Canada, Krista Friedland, Freeland, excuse me, who uh, is um, uh, Trudeau's right hand lady, uh, basically said these bank accounts will be marked for life. Now, isn't that something, right? It's, you know, there's lots of lots of examples of things where you pay your penance and uh, you get a, a new lease on life. Well, not this one. Apparently, your bank account and your name will be marked for life as supporting a, uh, a, a, a protest, we'll call it, that was not in line with the ruling government. government. And this is good for Bitcoin. Uh Privacy, you know, we talked earlier, you said certain finance guys value privacy more than others. Uh, at the end of the day, not your keys, not your coins, not your bank account, not your money. Okay. And when you spend your life accumulating monetary energy and it's in a uh, bank account, you see it, whether it's on the individual side, and I don't want to get too geopolitical, but even Russia is seeing the uh, implications of storing their uh, monetary energy in, uh, in a currency that's, uh, you know, US dollars or euros. Approximately 50% of their reserves were stored in both of those currencies, and they're not able to access them. So I think it's all good for people understanding the dangers of centralized control versus decentralized control and platforms. Well, I, it, it reminds everybody that Wasabi is uh, centralized. I think a lot of people uh, uh, forgot that also. S2, any thoughts, uh, any more thoughts, uh, elaboration on the uh, Wasabi situation? Yeah. Um, I mean, you basically, you nailed it, uh, Greg, that the current conflicts going on around the world um, are a great demonstration of why maintaining your privacy and maintaining uh, custody of your wealth is extremely important. And I think that that uh, Canadian trucker movement uh, woke a lot of people up. At the same time, it showed that we have a long way to go in Bitcoin privacy, just like what happened with Wasabi shows that, you know, we still have a long way to go. Um, there's lots of mistakes being made like, for example, uh, for the trucker thing, they used a static Bitcoin address when they could have used a pay NIM, and then the regulators wouldn't have been able to track because they wouldn't have been able to catch that address. 
Um, the cool thing about pay names is every time you scan a pay name to pay someone, a new address is generated Beautiful. for everyone every time. Um, so no people will reuse the same static address. And that, that's a Samurai wallet feature that's powerful. But yeah, it's, it's, it's highlighting that um, a lot of people need to kind of get some good Bitcoin education, get some good Bitcoin privacy education, and kind of learn how to use this digital cash so that they can effectively opt out of the corrupt banking system. So that's so cool because now I just learned something uh, today and you can, I continuing, I'm continuing to learn from the younger generation. And uh, so that's something uh, on my to learn list or to learn more about uh, the pain and uh, makes a ton of sense to me. Um, you cannot separate uh, uh, your ability to access your monetary energy from the first law of thermodynamics, which is basically conservation of energy and work. Work is energy, proof of work. It all comes back. And I'm, I wanted to save this line for uh, Elizabeth Warren, but uh, I'm going to throw it out now and maybe it's a good segue. The world needs more engineers and less lawyers. Okay. Uh, it's incredible that the lawyer who is Jay Powell is sitting in a the most important risk seat or risk chair in the world and is probably incredibly weak at mathematics because I don't know that many lawyers who are really good at math. And then this is the segue into uh, Elizabeth Warren. Well, of course, she's a lawyer as well. Right. And that's the problem. The world needs more engineers, more people that are comfortable with mathematics, understand the first laws of thermodynamics and conservation of energy, and they can run the numbers, right, Michael? So, uh, you know, engineers are really, really comfortable with numbers, and that's a great thing. Lawyers are much more comfortable with, you know, phrases and twisting logic and, and you know, catching you in your own little, uh, you know, trying to put words in your mouth and then say, see, I told you you said something like that. And we'll get to the Warren controversy, but... Uh, more engineers, less lawyers, the world would be a much better place well, in my it, it, You can break it down to less regulation, more actual production. Lawyers live in the world of regulation. The more regulations that Elizabeth Warren comes up with, the more freaking lawyers you need working for you. Right. If you didn't have work, if you didn't have these regulations, you'd have a bunch of engineers designing awesome stuff, building. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't get that at all. I mean, it, 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 go, it goes down to that also. But yeah. I mean, lawyers got to do what they got to do, but we wouldn't need as many if we didn't have all these insane rules. And it, it's sad that Wasabi is giving into these rules before the rules are even thrown at their – even designed for them. The uh, enemy but, is not even at the gates. <laughs> the threat is not here. So what would they do when the enemy is at the gates? How would I mean, they act? I think the threat is close when Elizabeth Warren – Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's a legitimate threat, but yeah, they're – Exactly. Yeah. What if they were given an order? I mean, would they? What what type of information would they give into the government? I mean, it is kind of scary. You were talking before saying, you know, this was a trusted source of privacy. All of a sudden, you trusted these. You could you could end up in jail. That's a very very serious thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. Trust. Be careful. That that was the whole point of a uh, of Bitcoin in the first place was to get get rid of uh, trust. Uh, all right, uh, and one thing I want to point out real quick before we move on is, yeah. guys, you, you do not need to trust anyone. You can run your own Bitcoin node. You can run your own Bitcoin wallet all in your own home. 
and you can use privacy features on Samurai Wallet. You don't need Coinbase. You don't need uh, an email address. You don't need a social security number, no ID, nothing. Everything about Bitcoin can be run from your own home. You know, it's a software. Anyone can download it and you never have to trust a third party. Um, as long as you use open source code, people can verify there's nothing nasty in it. If you host things yourself, like your own node and your own wallet, you know, you you're 100 percent your own custodian in control of your wealth. And uh, like Satoshi said in the title of the white paper, Bitcoin is peer to peer electronic cash. Uh, that's the vision right there. And it's accessible to anyone. It is Everything you said is completely true. You, you know, could really, I mean, it is, it's accessible to everyone. The direction the world is, go, is going in, people want to become more and more dependent on third parties. They're, they, uh, they're very willing to trust Coinbase as their, uh, as their bank. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's a regret, a regression of sorts, but some people just don't trust themselves. They, 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 they need a third party to, to confirm uh, everything is safe for them. Safety. Yeah. It, it, it's sad. It's it, it's sad in a way, but just because everybody fitting in is overrated is one of the sayings here. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't fit in the mainstream people. Be be definitely be your own bank. Le learn how to be as independent as freaking uh, possible. Uh, Atwood, you, we haven't heard from you for a while. Do you have a, a thoughts on this? Yeah, I just kind of want to piggyback off what Greg was saying. I mean, you know, the more lawyers you have, uh, the more room there is for legal plunder. Like Bastiat would always talk about legal plunder instead of like upholding maybe like private property or, you know, fundamental human rights. The, the government or the lawyers then start to rain down justice upon everyone. Right. And the more laws you have, the more ways there are for government or any really entity that is hiding behind the laws to start taking money from some people and giving it to others. It's legal plunder, right? And, and so, yeah, the, the more I see like Elizabeth Warren talking about this, it's clear that she's not listening. <laughs> she is trying to rain down what she believes to be true, uh, you know, on, on top of everyone. And like, that's a problem. Um, again, Bitcoin has already won, in my opinion. We can't get complacent, but it's won. But how long is it going to take before we see, you know, hyper-Bitcoinization or, or, or a Bitcoin standard, right? I don't want to wait forever. And the more these lawyers, you know, start telling us from the top down instead of us rising up from the bottom and getting people to use it and getting people, you know, things like, like in Canada. I mean, a lot of people just discovered for the first time the importance of Bitcoin for the first time ever. And they go, oh, I kind of get this now. Do they? Do they really get it? That's sort of. They're getting there. <laughs> they're getting there, right? That's powerful, and that comes so, from the top. And I mean, Michael, like <laughs> this is neat because you need to understand the difference in the banking system in Canada versus the United States. There's literally only six banks in all of Canada. Whereas in the United States, you have thousands, right? I know there's big money center banks in New York City, but you have the community trusts. You have all these small banks. I think there's still over 10,000 banks in the United States. In Canada, where generally the rule of one in 10 applies, meaning we have one-tenth the population, we have one-tenth the GDP, you'd expect there to be one-tenth the number of banks. So, you know, 10,000 divided by 10, you got 1,000 banks in Canada. No, we have six. So it's not like you have a choice. 
you know, and by the way, all these banks are tied at the hips. So when they, when they identify one uh, individual at one bank, it's basically blacklisted across the uh, entire platform uh, banking platform in Canada. So um, it's just a difference in the, in the way the banking uh, interstate banking in the United States versus Canada, which was allowed to go uh, nationwide. Um, it can be a strength of your banking system, but also a weakness for things like privacy, as well as uh, ability to, you know, to jump from one bank to another. It's, it's a complete weakness uh, in terms of censorship. If there's absolutely, only six, if there's absolutely. only six, yeah. you can get cut off that easily. Yeah. Now, I mean, we, we're not going to go into the history, but the, the reason we have so many more banks in the United States is because of o- overregulation. Um, you, you couldn't. You, you, you could only have one per state or something. It's craziness. It's there was the interstate concerns in the United States. Uh, and it was, uh, hel- um, it was uh, Glass-Steagall. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, the Canada is, a, is, is different ge- geographically. Here's a, a stat, stat for you guys to understand. 90% of Canadians live within 100 kilometers or 60 miles of the U.S. border. Okay, we're a ribbon. We had to be we had to have nationwide banking because the vertical in Canada, 60, 60 miles wide, you're going to divide this this up. No, you're you're uh, uh, going to have to understand that Canada geographically is much different than the US. We're not vertically and horizontally integrated like the United States is. And then being the, the strongest nation in the world and the finance, the most, the, the richest, you can have a lot more banks in the USA versus Canada, just on that basis as well. So it's, some people would say it was a strength. And for the longest time, it was a strength for Canada to have these stronger, better capitalized, but nationwide banking system. But here's the flip side. Selection and censorship is a lot easier on the banking side in Canada. I mean, if Canada remained a free country, it would be a strength. But when when you get the when you get some lunatic in charge, it becomes a dictator. It's <laughs> it, it can be used against you immediately. And Canada shows it can happen anywhere. And we are living in a golden age where Bitcoin opts you out of all this nonsense. So you, you don't have to worry about which banking system is better, United States or Canada. I don't worry about it because my banking system is freaking Bitcoin, baby. Right. Uh, but <laughs> I, I have a, I have a little to say on this too, like. Um, Greg's absolutely right. And unfortunately, in the United States, we do have more like community level banks. And that's fantastic. But even we, we can see this trend with the community banks in the United States, like those are dying too. And it's, it's like moving towards greater and greater centralization. And something for me, like the small businesses are dying. Like that's what I focus my efforts on with Oshi and like the, we incorporate lighting now because we want to see businesses be able to kind of distance themselves from, say, the big banks and the financial intermediaries and the payment processors as much as they can to prevent wealth being sucked out of their local economy and going straight to Wall Street. Instead of Main Street, it's going to Wall Street. And what we're seeing is, you know, I think it's something like the the, like the, top, the top five banks in the United States um, control like 60 or 70 percent of the, of the banking banking market. And but the small community banks account for like 40 to 60% of the small business lending. I'm sorry, I don't remember all the details, but it's, it's staggering. And what we're seeing is all these community banks that are funding, you know, giving, giving loans to these small businesses, these entrepreneurs at the local level, trying to provide value to their community and taking almost all the risk. 
And that really, that subtle nuance, like if you go to a major bank and you're like, hey, I have this cool product or, you know, something that I want to get started. I want to help the community. They're not going to take the time to like, tell us about it. You know, like, yeah. let's get to know you as an individual. Like, I know you, like, let's work through this and let's see how we can help you and we can help our community. You know, the community banks are the ones sponsoring local, local soccer teams, or they're the ones that are building playgrounds and trying to help the community. The big banks don't give a shit about that because they, they literally can't like, they just simply can't there. There there's, there's, they don't have time, which is why, again, like just like with Bitcoin, like we have to distribute this out. Like the community banks are dying. Small businesses are dying. We know how this ends. And we're seeing it more in Canada at this at this stage. But that's the path that all these all these countries seem to be moving towards. And it's it's staggering. Um, and think about to- the end goal as banking centralizes. Right. Beautiful. We're heading towards CBDC. Yeah. You know, we're heading towards um, a lot of brick and mortar banks just won't be there in the future. And it'll be central, you know, apps that do it on your phone. Um, slowly, this thing's getting digitized and they're going to get rid of cash. And then you have the perfect, you know, surveillance money. You can watch everyone's money. It's all digital Every deposit, every withdrawal, um, it's the perfect control system. You make a really good point about CBDCs. Once we have FedCoin and regular people have access to an account at the Fed, there will be no small banks left in the United States. (laughs) There'll be no point. And it'll be very convenient for some people. It's going to happen. Uh, And so so, so prepare now. And... uh, we, we talk about inflation and everything. There's going to be a, a Fed coin, and the normies will love to get their uh, their their monthly check from their Fed coin check from the uh, from the the, the uh, Federal Reserve. It'll be so they'll forget about inflation. It's uh, we, we, we're talking about raising rates now. We'll get to negative rates. We will get. I mean, that, that's another story right there, Greg. I, I felt like I interrupted you there. Sorry. Oh, for me, not at all. I that that you guys you guys have nailed it all. Let's just remember. That uh, CBDCs absolutely. Uh, I love the you know the ultimate surveillance money. The thing that I don't think gets enough um, uh, press, if you will, on the CBDCs is the potential also for it to have an expiration date and for the Fed to use it as a, a stimulus by saying, "Okay, you have this money, but it's only good for three months. So go out there and spend it because." Uh, you know, we need to provide a pump to the uh, to the economic system. Uh, all of this is possible. All of it is very dangerous. Uh, thankfully, there's enough senators and smart, concerned politicians in the USA that are really digging into this. Um, I, you know, won't bore you with the fact that I, I was able to work and go to school in the USA and understand the beauty of uh uh, of the constitution and everything down there, which is so rock solid compared to some of the, uh, the, the things that Canada's built on. But at the end of the day, it's education guys. And this is, I think a little bit what Michael was saying, we just have to get the word out. So whether it's ESG concerns, whether it's uh, embracing C- CBDCs because, Oh, it's going to be good because it's on some sort of blockchain or uh, no educate understand that a an ability to monitor every single transaction 
moves you much closer to a centralized control. That's why they call it CBDCs, you know, central bank digital currency. And, oh, by the way, uh, I see, Foss, you spent some money at a restaurant that was close to a political rally that was taking place that was not in line with our political views. Uh, censored, you know, this is just not what I grew up uh, believing in. Uh, I'm a freedom advocate. Uh, and this is absolutely why Bitcoin needs to exist, uh, the freedom aspect. Bitcoin is freedom money, and we have people that are going in the exact opposite direction. One final thing I'll say is, if you would ask me three years ago, so let's turn back the clock three years, you ask Greg Foss, what do you think the chances are that Canadian bank accounts would have been uh, censored or frozen? Uh, for any political reason. And I would have said it's not impossible, but within 20 years, I would say there was probably a 10 to 20% chance maximum that what that would have happened. And I'm talking again, three years ago, fast forward three years to the present. It happened. It happened quickly. It happened with viciousness. People were vilified. There were reporters who were calling up people on lists of GoFundMe and badgering them. How could you possibly donate? Well, hold on. It's a free world. I can donate to whatever cause you, you know, I want. You may not believe it, but that is what freedom is. And man, oh man, this, this unraveled quickly guys. And I will just tell you, it opened the eyes of a lot of people, including people like my wife and, other people that would have said, this can't possibly happen in Canada. Well, guess what? It did. The warning goes out to the United States. And I know there's a lot of people smart enough down there to get it. Don't think that it couldn't happen in the USA as well. Just a warning. I don't want it to happen, but just a warning. And, and, and that actually someone, I forgot who it was, said that uh, Canada seems to be ahead of uh the United States in terms of going down the drain. You, oh yeah, that, that was you, me. Yeah. You, you, well, someone said it earlier in the show. You said oh. it, you said it at the Las Vegas event that it, it Canada's 10 years ahead of the United States in terms of, so yeah, if it, if it happened in Canada, uh, it, it'll happen. It's, in it's all coming. Let's, yeah. let's face it. It's coming here. Eventually capital controls are not going away. They're only going to increase. All right, and let's, Okay. If you can use the tools to opt out, then you're in a good position. Yeah, we, we've got the tools, people. we got the tools. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Warren Elizabeth Warren's crypto sanction bill aims to crack down on Russia, track wallets with foreign ties. Uh, cryptocurrency think tank coin center says the bill is unnecessary and unconstitutional. Below in the notes section, I link to a video of her questioning. Uh, I forget who she's questioning. But she she uh, she basically wants uh, to tie in uh, cryptocurrency with uh, mixers and Russian uh, Russian oligarchs being able to hide their money. I mean, she's she's begging for a you know it's a scapegoat to her. Okay, uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and she is, seems to be obsessed with it because she keeps on bringing it up more and more. And some people are going to say, well, you should ignore her. She's she's just some woman in Massachusetts. Guys, a lot things happen quick in in, uh, in politics, and Joe Biden isn't going to run for president again, probably. And Kamala Harris is totally incompetent, and uh, Elizabeth Warren presents herself as this caring person for the weak and the meek, 
She appears more competent than Biden and Kamala. Not, I mean, it's very anybody appears more competent than Biden, but uh, she might become the president of the United States in 2024. I mean, this is this is a real. I know some people are laughing or whatever. There's a, re- a real a real oh. shot. And, and un- unfortunately, sometimes the Congress just uh, in the first 100 days let the, lets the president do whatever they want to do. So um, she she is not making it a secret at all what she wants to do with Bitcoin. What she she's trying to she's going mindless on everyone, tying it in with Russian oligarchs and that, you know, privacy is bad. Hiding it is bad. This that uh, Greg, you want to you want to, you know, sl- talk about her a little bit. So I, I'll, I'll let you uh, start off the uh, Elizabeth uh, Warren. talk. Sure. Well, thanks. And, and, and guys, don't let me uh, I, I'll keep this brief. Uh, I love mathematics, as you guys know. I think that on that basis, uh, she fails on a number of fronts that I've listened to her in the past, not just in, uh, in in this particular argument. So bringing it to this particular argument, though, uh, I think that those questions were formulated by her research team and her staffers of young kids that uh, that were telling things like, you know, uh, mixers and all this. And when when the gentleman she was interviewing wasn't, uh, 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 you know, advocating her position she would just cut him off and basically said well you haven't given me the answer i want to hear so i'm going to say it again in another way um this is what happens when uh you have a 72 year old which is what how old she is trying to understand a technology that really is more for the kids that have grown up with an iphone okay now i'm 58 i told you in this show that i graduated from mcgill university without ever having used a personal computer and that was in 1986 when I graduated. They didn't, they existed, but not in university system. Okay. They were too expensive, etc. All my programming was done on mainframes. Two years later, I come back from Cornell university and I had my first uh, sense of what the beauty of an Apple computer was as well as, you know, a PC point is this. She's 14 years older than me. She's like Charlie Munger or people who take technological uh, advice from Charlie Munger. Leave it to the young kids. When I have a problem with my iPhone, I give it to my kids to help me solve it. And that's because it's inherent in their uh, understanding. I'm going to final final statement. Age limits on senators and presidential candidates, please. Okay. There's no question that the human brain degenerates over time. That is a also a fact. And don't allow someone who thinks they have all the answers to become in the most important position in the world just because they say a nice story. This is important that the world understands that technology is the world. Jeff Booth's line. The world will change more in the next 10 years than it has in the past 200. Put someone in a chair that understands that reality, please. Age limits would solve that. I know I, you know, getting too far over my skis. I love the United States. Don't get me wrong. If the USA fails, the world is in for a world of hurt. Yeah, it is. And I think you nailed it there that she, she read that like they were marching orders. She didn't know what she was reading. That was just, you know, that was just the marching orders. And um, it was funny also how wrong they got it. Whoever wrote that for her. Um, 
trying to say that a, a Russian oligarch could launder a billion through mixers when the global volume of all mixers daily is 30 million. Correct. And that it's not like you can mix 30 million daily. You have to blend into the crowd. You can only mix much smaller pieces than that. And to launder a billion, I mean, there's no way you could effectively mobilize that, uh, that kind of money that would evade sanctions and create war and fund all these nasty things. You, you simply couldn't move the money fast enough, right? Well, facts don't matter to, to politicians at all. I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah, it, right, it, right. It's just funny. Anyone who knows, who understands how any of that works, I mean, you don't even have to be technical. All you have to do is just know the volume of the mixers and what math. they can do. And okay. you're just like, geez, these people are, they truly don't understand. I do want to address Greg's point about youth and uh, Elizabeth Warren's lack of youth. Uh, it, 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 it this is something that could cause a split in the Democratic Party, definitely. Uh, and some of the younger people in the Democratic Party are more, uh, definitely more pro Bitcoin. Well, she's completely anti it, so th that's good. That's good for Bitcoin. That uh, it, it might it, the youth might just put their foot down in, in that party and stop the the, Dem the, the Democratic Party. It, if the youth don't stop this, they're going to be known as uh, the haters of Bitcoin Party, which is uh, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, uh, for, it's, it's it's not going to end well. Uh, I, I'd say. Um, all right, uh, Atwood, your, your take on Elizabeth. Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of piggybacking off of, off of what you said, you know, Bitcoin changes people. This, this next election is going to be very, um, Bitcoin is going to be politicized. Now, Bitcoin itself is totally apolitical, but it is going to be wielded on both sides. Uh, I, you know, if their, if their voter base is holding a lot of cryptocurrencies or even a small amount, like that changes people's heads. Like, you know, I, I've, I have a friend that that was more socialist leaning. And once he got a little Bitcoin, like he changed pretty quick. <laughs> and if you all of a sudden have these politicians like coming after your, your cryptocurrency or your Bitcoin or whatever, um, those voters are not going to be very receptive to, to that, in my opinion. Like it. So I just think, yeah, we need to get, you know, Bitcoin. I mean, people will get Bitcoin whenever they're ready, but like we need to get it into the hands of people because, you know, like Elizabeth Warren, for example, I mean, she talks about how she's here to like champion the rights of like the little guy and stop all of this, you know, corporate, all these corporate monopolies and do all this and that. But it's like the traditional financial system is just perpetuating that, uh, you know, the the rampant, you know, inflation, the the Cantillon effect, right? They're perpetuating that. So why is she so against it? Is it ignorance or is it malice? Is is she like only seeing the negatives in Bitcoin? Like if we could get back to more of a cash-like economy in the digital world, now that we have Bitcoin, that's going to fix, in my opinion, a, a lot of those things that she's just so, so against. Like if we can start bottom up instead of top down, uh, you know, I, I just... I'm, I'm really confused. Like she's missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, I, um, I would agree on that. Like the question on why is she doing this? I think she's doing it, but she's just so stubborn. She thinks that Bitcoin is evil and that she, she, her character that she plays on the stage is the woman who fights for the little guy. And that Bitcoin is, even if she just took a moment to think about it, she's, she's really helping the big banks. I mean, uh, it, it, it's kind of exactly. crazy. It's just, exactly. She's going for the simplest explanation possible. 
and uh, right. and it's e- it's ESG also. And, and is she is she and her constituents ignorant of it, or are they malicious? You know, what that are their is, true intentions? Do do they want to defend the bastion that is the dollar, or you know, are they truly open to something new like that, and they just don't know? Okay, well, uh, her constituents are ignorant. She knows. She thinks this is a key to getting as many votes as possible. Yeah. Right. There's an expression, guys, right? Sucking and blowing. And uh, she's trying to do both because if you listen to her previous critiques, it's always about Wall Street, right? Yeah. She, Wall Street's horrible. Wall Street's got, you know, people that should be tied in. Uh, and, and Live streaming okay. is on. Yeah, keep going. So basically, you know, she's uh, she's trying to, uh, to to be all things to all people. On the one hand, she's knocking down the big banks, and then on this one, she's it, it appears she's defending the big banks, right? And the and the centralized system, dangerous, yes. Lack of education, yes. Comes back to Michael uh, Michael's point. We just need to continue to educate the masses. Most importantly, yeah. And I, I've kind of been alluding to this a lot. I mean, obviously, like, and again. Bitcoin doesn't care about what I think or what any of us think. Bitcoin just is, it just does like, it's going to move forward on the path that is set out for it. Right. But if, you know, what I'm, what I'm really trying to do is to change this narrative and, and show the good and show business owners, small businesses, consumers, like that Bitcoin can help their community. Like local spending can create community wealth and Bitcoin helps protect wealth communities create. Like that's this narrative that I'm driving. And, and, you know, whether I'm right or wrong, like I know that this is, this is true, but if we can start shifting that and we can get politicians to understand that Bitcoin is good for business, you know, I, I bought a gift card today from, from a, a local guy selling barbecue, uh, Odell's, Odell's barbecue in Redding, California. And I bought it with Bitcoin and he gave me 5% sats back. He's giving me a Bitcoin discount. Like that didn't happen with Visa or MasterCard. None of that happened with Visa or MasterCard. And in fact, instead of giving two, three, four, five percent to them, he gave it back to me, right. the consumer in Bitcoin. So now he's becoming a, a Bitcoin faucet of the modern era. And he's distributing sats to his community. He's keeping some sats for himself. And maybe through that, we can kind of start changing the narrative. It's not about Russia or it's not about... The energy it's about what we can do with it and how we can show the community that it can positively impact them is and you know there's a million different people doing a million different things in a million different ways and and in my opinion in the next few years this is going to come to a head in a good way where we go you can do all these things with bitcoin so we don't have to combat like what elizabeth warren is saying like People are always going to and fight the good fight for sure. Like, you know, Bitcoin's good for the environment or be like totally. But maybe we'll be able to say not defending it, but just saying, look, you can't deny how good this is for maybe small businesses or how good this is for the community or for consumers. And that that that's going to get louder and louder, in my opinion. And if they if they continue to pretend to ignore that, whether it be ignorance or malice. I do think people are going to wake up. You know, the education is, man, like that. It's only getting stronger too. You know, we have people that are, that are fighting the good fight on that front, but some people are never going to listen. How can we just show them? You know, and, and I think there's so many awesome projects out there now 
that are trying to do that, it's really exciting. It's a good I'm, point I'm, that Bitcoin means different things to different people. And, you know, one person might only care about it for remittances. One person might only want to trade or use it as a store of value. Um, somebody might want to use it to privately fund some truckers like it's electronic cash. <laughs> and because it means so many different things to so many different people, uh, like like you were saying, uh, eventually that crowd is going to swallow up the competition and become you know, a real force to be reckoned with. And the, you know, the cat's out of the bag, but we're here to stay. Well, I, I, I'm optimistic that certain people can be reached. I, I, I still think there's going to be a, a huge hunk of people that just listen to whatever, just whatever they're fed, they will believe. And that's how, uh, that's how voting works. I mean, it's like a, a, a simple lowest common denominator uh, appeal, appeal to them, but it does, you know, you know, I guess this is a good segue for, uh, for Michael here about what you do and that we're bringing it to the people. We're, we're going to a city like Oklahoma city. It's, it's not known as like a Bitcoin hotbed or anything like that. Um, and you're talking one-on-one with people and, uh, what your business does. So I guess, uh, what, what is Oshi doing? What, what, what's that all about? And, and the, the lightning tie into it. Cause everybody yeah. loves lightning network. Everybody loves yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've taken in all the information I could over the past several years and learned about Bitcoin. And I said, you know, I want to try something. And I was like, how do we get small businesses and consumers involved in the Bitcoin economy? How do we incentivize businesses to actually accept it and give them the ability to reward their customers in Bitcoin? How do we incentivize consumers, generally through Bitcoin rewards, to actually want to use it? Um, you know, if not with their own Lightning wallet, but, you know, tools with like Strike or Cash App, uh, you know, let's not let perfect be the enemy of good. Um, and and how do we get Bitcoiners a, a tool to approach businesses and consumers in their communities and try to start the conversation once again? Like Roger Ver, like years ago, right? Uh, he was he was a little too early for that, but like and we all know what happened with that. But you know, he was going like door to door, like just getting businesses and. I think we really lost that. Like with Lightning, we have an opportunity to get that started again. We can uh, bring Bitcoin to communities um, and use it as more of a digital cash. Even if the customer is spending from their checking account via Strike, the business still can reap a lot of a lot of you know get a lot of benefits out of that instant, you know, near instant, near free, and final settlement uh, without any you know bank involved uh, generally right and so yeah so that's what we do i mean we're trying to kickstart local you know bitcoin circular economies in the united states and abroad and yeah, we're sure. trying to show people that it is possible um and you know there's people all over the country that are starting to do it and businesses are reaching out and they're like hey i talked with this business they want to do it like how do we get them set up so that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're just trying to reinvigorate that. We don't know if, uh, if if it's the right thing to do, but like that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to shift this narrative. Yeah. Well, I, I, lo- I look forward to meeting you in Oklahoma City and, and bringing it to the people and, you know, to, to talking about what, what's uh, just just ed- the education. It's 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 that's going to be a big educational event. Again, it is next. We're going to be in Oklahoma City next Saturday. Not this Saturday. It's, it's linked to below. 
Uh, I, I guess now is a good time to ask everybody if they're going to be in Miami, because I have to say Bitcoin 2022 is the largest Bitcoin event ever that takes place April 6th to 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. All four days will be packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and an incredible lineup of expert Bitcoin speakers. Day one is industry day. Uh, and day two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador, El Presidente, Naib Bakule, who has uh, promised a big surprise. I wonder what that is. U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis is going to be there. That's not not that's no Elizabeth Warren. Uh, thought, <laughs> leaders like, thought leaders like Jordan Peterson, uh, CEOs like uh, Michael Saylor, uh, uh, Jack Ma- Mallers. It, it's it's going to be great. And it caps off with the, the first and largest Bitcoin music festival that Saturday the 9th, and there are going to be all these DJs that are going to be there. Last conference sold out. This year, there's going to be like 30,000. It's on pace to let me just sell it again. So grab your tickets before it's too late. Visit b.tc slash conference. It's linked below. Use the Adam10 discount code to get 10% off. You, use, you also use that Adam10 for the Oklahoma City event to get 10% off. I'm, I'm making it real easy for you guys. Um, and yeah. I'll see, I will see you guys there in, in on April 6th and 9th. I'm wondering, uh, S2, are you going to be in Miami for the uh, Bitcoin conference? Absolutely. Ronan Dojo will have a big booth out there. We'll have nodes. We'll have our steel plates. We'll have phones with wallets hooked up to the nodes so you can test things and play around and play with, uh, lear- like, learn about Bitcoin privacy and running your own node. And we'll also be selling them out there. I'll speak a little bit. I'll be on the free and open source software stage. Um, and we'll do a little panel up there hosted by Odell. Uh, should be fun. It's going to be, you know, really busy, but I'm super excited. If you guys are there, stop by the booth and let's hang out. Dude, it will be great to meet you in person. If I could find you among the 30,000 people, but I, I'll be, you got a booth. So yeah, uh, it's huge. You won't miss it. Just look for the giant guy holding two swords. Wow. Well, you guys are doing good for yourselves. You got a big booth down there, man. Ta- ta- so any news you want to share about Ronan? Any, any, uh, the floor is yours. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we just released our Bitcoin node called the Tonto. Like I said earlier, it's a plug and play Bitcoin node. Uh, if you're in Miami, come and check it out. Otherwise check us out at RoninDojo.io. We're trying to make Bitcoin privacy easy and accessible to everybody. The Tonto. I, I, I thought you'd get canceled for a name like that. I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, you can't do that. You got to change it to the Guardians or something. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to Greg. Are you going to be in Miami? I, I am. I'm uh, honored to be on stage with, uh, uh, on the Nakamoto stage with uh, Marcelo Clore. He's the ex-CEO of Sprint, who is now with SoftBank. I'm on with uh, Dan Tapiero. Uh, that's a good. That's a good pairing. Fund manager. I'm yeah. on with um, Ricardo Salinas, right? Mexico's uh, one of Mexico's uh, wealthiest men. Oh my God! That and I'm on with a fourth, uh, who I apologize, I'm forgetting his name, but he's a Puerto Rican billionaire. So I'm the mediator, and uh, we're going to attack it from a risk management uh, uh, viewpoint in terms of how these guys manage risk, how they brought Bitcoin into their lives to reduce risk. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be, uh, I'll be nervous like I was last year, but I have some good backup. Uh, last year I was on stage with 
Preston Pish, Jeff Booth, and Mark Yusko. And uh, you can't really fumble the ball too badly when you're on stage with guys like that. So I look forward to meeting you guys down there, S2. Uh, I'm hoping, Michael, you'll be there too. Um, Bitcoin Miami is an unbelievable event. Anyone who's listening, you go there and you just get so charged by the young energy that's filling the entire conference. Last year, I met uh, the guys from Ibex Mercado who were in Guatemala. And uh, six hours later, Jack Mahler's announced that uh, El Salvador was uh, got onboarded by Jack, by uh, yeah, Jack Mahler's onboarded El Salvador. And these guys from Guatemala picked up shop and went to El Salvador and became part of the merchant solution for the Bitcoin uh, uh, ecosystem in El Salvador. Uh, you meet everybody. It's so encouraging. And again, as a 58 year old guy that loses his car keys all the time, uh, all I want to do is meet young kids that are going to change the world. So uh, looking forward to meeting all you guys. Wow. You got quite a panel up there. Salinas, they're going to be bringing a lot of net worth to that freaking stage with you. Whoa, man. There's a I will be checking the seat cushions after they leave. Let me tell you that to see whatever fell out of their pockets. Mm -hmm. Some silver out of his pockets, right? He's a, he's a big silver guy, isn't he, Salinas? Uh, he's everything. He's mining Bitcoin. He's got a power company. Uh, and that's going to align well with the, the thing that I've changed my life. I, I was working on Wall Street and Bay Street, Bay Street being Canada's Wall Street uh, equivalent uh, for 30 years. I'm now in the power business. Uh, pretty excited about some of the stuff we're doing. We have 400 megawatts that we're going to be mining Bitcoin. Um and helping the Bitcoin ecosystem from Canada. Um, and uh, this is, again, it's it's near and dear to my heart as an engineer, uh, but also near and dear to my heart as someone who saw the, finance, the, the Fiat Ponzi in action and we need the solution. Whoa, uh, I, I didn't know you were into the, uh, the mining. When did that start? It's been a pet project of mine, um, but it, it's a company called Validus Power uh 20 year history in canada but also internationally um and we own four different uh power plants they used to be peaker plants on the uh that, that supplied power to the grid using natural gas uh this is going to dovetail nicely with uh the energy uh requirements of canada together with uh you know using bitcoin mining uh, when the grid does not need the uh, the excess power. So um, here's the neat thing. It's off grid. We control it. We're not hostage to any utilities. And throw out not something even more cool. We're going to be using four degrees Celsius Lake Ontario water in the immersion cooling process. So all these things are cool. Canada punches above its weight in certain things. Hockey, for sure. I'm hoping that we also punch above our weight in the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem. And with guys like Jeff Booth and uh, uh, Rodolfo, NVK, Canadians, uh, Ben Sessions, who was involved with the, the Bitcoin truckers um, and actually was a uh, he was a Wasabi wallet. Um, what would you call him? Uh, advocate. advocate. Hey, he, he, he threw Wasabi out. He says, that's it. I don't want wasabi. So I love these guys. Um, 
Canada, I love the United States, the Bitcoiners, we're going to help change the world because I got three kids and we better change the world because it's in for a world of hurt if we do not change it. Well, yeah, Canadians definitely uh, punch above their weight. In ter- I mean, since the beginning, I've, I've encountered more Canadians than I should in, in Bitcoin. It's been, they've been very proactive. Uh, the, with, with the Miami conference, it's kind of a pain in the tuck list for Canadians to get down there. Last year, there weren't as many Canadians down there as there should have been. Maybe it's mm-hmm. easier to get down this year. Uh, it is these, getting easier. It's getting hard, easier. These horrible yeah. rules. You figured out a way to get back and forth on that, uh, which is good. All right, let's uh, – Atwood, uh, are you going to be in uh, Miami? Yeah, I am. Um, we'll, we'll be there. Uh, we're trying to get as many businesses on uh, some form of a Bitcoin standard before and during the conference. We're actually uh, tag teaming with IBEX um, on businesses no. down there. So we're oh. all like hustling. Yeah, we're, we're working together. I'm such that. a huge fan of Jose. And for full disclosure, not that anyone cares, I've made a personal investment in IBEX Mercado. Yeah, so they, they closed their they closed their round and uh, and I was uh, I participated in that. So huge fan of Jose Lamus and the, the CEO of Ibex, and I'm very pumped yeah. because you know what I was thinking. Damn, I, I I don't want you know. There's an ability to 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 coordinate in all this when you were talking about Oshi. So that's rocking, man. That's really oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, those guys are uh, they're out there hustling. They're awesome guys. Um, yeah, they they saw the value in that pretty quick as well, and so yeah, we're you know yeah whether it's yeah, Jose and and Juan Rye like those guys are killing Beautiful. it <laughs> right now. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, they're and the objective really is to to get again get people to see like how possible this is, and you know thirty to forty thousand people or however many people yeah. are going to be there are going to be able to go home and say, dang, like I can actually businesses can accept Bitcoin. Like they are accepting Bitcoin. You yep. can do this at my hometown too. Like why can't there be a little piece of Bitcoin beach spread out all across Beautiful. the country, across the world? It's definitely possible. Um, yeah. So, so we'll be there. Uh, and I just want to say like um, S2, the, 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 the seed plate that you guys have uh, Ronin Dojo is like so cool. That like, Oh, the Ronin steel. Thanks man. <laughs> It is the coolest, most like ingenious little seed plate. I thought it was amazing. What, what is it? Yeah, it, yeah. It's a way to save your seed phrase. What is this thing? It's a metal. Uh... It, it's basically a little plate that comes with a like a spring-loaded puncher, and you can oh. you put a sticker over it, and you can punch your twelve words or twenty-four words or a passphrase, whichever stickers you decide to use, and then once you're done using your little puncher you can peel the sticker off and then no one knows what it is. And it's just little divots in a plate. And then you can throw that sticker away or keep it. And of course it comes with extra stickers and we have more stickers online. Uh, and the design is also available online if you want to download and print them yourself. And as long as you can put the sticker back over the plate, then you can recover the seed. Oh, it yeah. sounds really, that sounds really cool there. These guys all three of these dudes are going to be in Miami. All three of these guys are clearly in motion with all sorts of projects that I didn't even know about it. Know about best freaking guest in the space. We've gotten it. We're over an hour, so we got to end this uh, show. Uh, but did you, I'll just everybody do basically say their conclusionary remarks. But I do. I do want to just open it up. Do any of you have anything else to, to add? Uh, just in case you didn't get to promote something you wanted to talk about. Uh, no, I think you know. Just check out Ronin Dojo or trying to solve Bitcoin privacy and make it easy. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys in Miami. I appreciate you having me on, Adam. Okay. Well, th- 
Thanks. All three were new guests. None of you had been on my show before. I'm bringing you the best guests in the week of the in the space every week. I'm trying to bring in new guys leading up to the events. We'll promote Oklahoma City more next week. Uh, the show will be on Wednesday next week because I'm going to be in Oklahoma City on Friday. So be ready for that. You other two guys have anything else to say? Uh, uh, well, I thank you, Greg, for 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 making your debut. It was it was great to meet you in Vegas. And Michael, it will be great to meet you in Oklahoma City uh, in in a week. Uh, I'll be we'll be partying it up, dudes. All right, everybody. Thank pound, you. Thank you. Adam. Pound that like button, everybody. I want to wish everybody Shabbat Shalom, as I always do. I hope you had a good Purim or St. Patrick's Day yesterday, whatever it was. Don't gamble on that basketball. Use that money on Bitcoin. You will be a very happy. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister to disrupt. Meister, see you see soon, guys. Thank you, everyone. And we will end it there. Bye-bye. Uh, retweet it, everybody. See you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, everyone. We ended Thanks. it. We ended it on that end. Let me just end it over here. We're, we're all